1 John 4, verse 4 through 8. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, somebody ought to say amen to that. Thank God for that. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. That sounds good, doesn't it? Let us love one another. For God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Last verse. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. I want everyone to say that last part with me. For God is love. We're going to begin a three-week Sunday morning series leading us up to our Christmas festivities, which begin on the 18th. We're excited in advance for that Sunday morning and that Sunday night. We want you to be inviting people for that Sunday night. But I would ask everybody that wants to invite people, don't take the next three weeks off of inviting people. Amen. How many know church moves on in the holidays? Amen. The whole, the whole reason for the season is him. We had a, well, I don't want to get into all that. I, I, I just, I want to say this. He's worthy of our praise today. Amen. So in this three-week series, I want to let you know ahead of time, we're going to take a biblical look over the next three Sunday mornings at love, joy, and peace. Since everyone's singing about them, and those of you that even have been anti-Christmas music, you're now allowing it to be played. <laughs> and we're going to hear a lot about love and joy and peace of the Christmas season over the next little while. But I want to tell you, I don't want the world's definition of love. I don't want their definition of joy and I don't want their definition of peace. I want, I want what the Word of God has to say about love and joy and peace. So would you pray with me? Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together. I pray, oh God, that you would help me to preach with wisdom and with clarity, that your work would be done in this house today. I pray against any distraction or hindrance. I pray that our minds would be focused, our hearts would be open, our ears would be attentive, and our spirits moldable by you. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and let everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you're willing, would you out loud say love? love. Yeah, we are to love one another, but I will tell you that our world has manipulated what love is. We see it often played out. We see it portrayed in a wide array. What is love? What does love look like? What should love look like? But we are to be reminded on this Sunday morning that God is love. And I would even submit to you at the launching of this series that this book right here is love on display. If you would allow, I would even say, this is the greatest group of love letters of all time. It is love on display. So I'd like to take a look at what is a biblical perspective 
of love and how should that affect me? How should that affect you? How should that affect us? Pastor Lopez, because tonight we will with an intentional group after many, many, many hours that have already gone into it, we will work with what our calendar looks like for 2023. I want to publicly say this, more events does not mean better church. You hear that hearty amen? But I can assure you of this, a church without love is no church at all. A church without love is no church at all. First of all, a church without the love of God. From God to his people, then from his people to him, but then from his people to others. It is the love of God on display. I ran across this little love letter <laughs> this week, and I'd like to share this with you, I think they're going to allow you maybe even to read it on the screen. Dearest Jimmy, it's called Love Letter Lament. No words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever. Marie, P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. P.S. Ladies and gentlemen, Marie, that is not love. That is opportunity. <laughs> and unfortunately, I could have saved a lot of young men and a lot of young women along the way if they would have listened to the heed of counsel when we told them this is opportunity, not love. Opportunity and not love. I will repeat what I have said many times before because we have the tendency to look at love as described by Hallmark and Webster and what we've seen. I want to remind every person in this room and I want all the married people to help me when I say it, okay? For those that are single in the room, if you cannot like you single you will not like you in a relationship. Okay? Very mixed reviews. With our spattering of applause. But I will tell you this. The number one relationship that's got to be right is me and God. From our youngest to our oldest in the room, I want to remind you that the enemy's number one job is to get your focus off the love of God. If he can get, if he can get your focus off the love of God, then you won't know what it is to really have joy. You won't know what it is to really have peace. You won't know what it is to have sound mind. Because everything we have of any level of significance is based on our understanding. He loves me. He loves me and I love him. The love of God. And it's meant to be on display in our other relationships. But most often I find, and anyone that does any sense of help or counsel in this room at any period of time will tell you, most often when we find individuals that are struggling in their relational value with each other, it can often be traced back to these questions. And they seem condescending at times. But how is your prayer life? How is your time in the Word of God? How are, you be, how are you treating each other? I typically like to start with, how are you treating God? It is the start to things. But it's not just for those of us that are in a marriage relationship. It ought to be the question for every one of us that say we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Every one of us that are filled with the Holy Ghost, it should be a question for us. 
How then are we showing the love of God to others that we come in contact with? If you're always grumpy, I question the love of God in your life. If the only time you talk is to complain, I, qu I question the love of God in your life. I will tell you and what I want our young people to hear and what I want even the eldest in this room, whether you figured it out or not, if you've already figured it out, then I'm gonna ask for your hearty amen. When I say these words, love is not the newest addition or a modern take on Romeo and Juliet. Oh, Romeo and Juliet, you've been killing us for centuries. The absolute nonsense of that story. Sorry for any Shakespeare individuals that love it. I even apologize to tell you he didn't originate the characters. Anybody that thinks that's a beautiful story, might I remind every parent in the room, she was 13. Every dad in the room ought to say, I think not. I don't care if he's a Montague, I don't care. He's going to taste my boot. 13 years old. I'm not talking about family rivalry, but I am talking about spiritual rivalry. And we are in a day and age. Boy, I'm going to preach it. I start feeling a little something right now. We're in a day and age that doesn't even think kids should court anymore. They think every relationship ought to be like they're going steady. From the time they turn 12, 13 years old, the young people just happened to be in this morning. I was going to preach it to your parents. You're here, so buckle up. <laughs> I might be old-fashioned, but I don't think our 13-year-olds ought to be kissing on each other. I, I, I don't. I don't think 15-year-olds need to be in some modern-day version of Romeo and Juliet, and they're the only ones. You'll be at family dinner, and they're texting the boyfriend-girlfriend through family dinner. Let me, help me help you. That's nonsense. If we're not careful, though, we buy into this. Juliet, 13 years old. I'm going to hurt some of you that love Romeo and Juliet. I'm sorry. You know, the whole whirlwind thing that's been going for centuries was a 24-hour affair. 24 hours. And it's given us centuries of Romeo, Romeo. Wherefore? You know that the most famous line in the whole, the whole play is that, and it doesn't even make sense? It's the number one line historians are baffled about. The whole name dilemma was over the last name. Some of you are thinking, he knows a lot more about Romeo. That's, that's what reading is for. <laughs> but it was this whirlwind romance, and it's been modernized, it's been played, it's been plugged in. How many remember the famous balcony scene, what I'm talking about? You, you've seen it, you watched it in a play, or you had it in, if you're like me, you had it in school. You had to deal with that. The original play, there was no balcony scene. I'm sorry. They modernized that. It wasn't even a part of the original text. It was built in later for drama. And what we're doing right now is we are taking love and we are dramatizing it and we're calling it real and it's superficial. I'm going to tell you what love is. Love's work. Love's a daily choice. Love is a choice. Where are my married people that'll say love's a choice, but I choose love? Can I tell you right now? Choosing to love God at times is work. Can you imagine if it's, if it's work at times for us to love God, can you imagine what it must be for him? <laughs> Read the Old Testament, the fickle nature of those people. Covenant Israel up and down. And now I love him, now I don't. Now I, yeah? And yet there was a covenant with those people. The love of God that was on display. And yet there are times when they were so fickle. And we would say, we would be honest. At times we are so fickle with God. 
How many know, though, that if we are fickle with God, if we are What would another way to say it? Maybe wishy-washy. We just can't quite make our mind up whether we really love God, whether we really love his word, whether we really accept him. How many know that he is always waiting? Always open arms. Always gracious and always loving. That is the example of, of love that we need to be attentive to. I do not want us to get wrapped up in some... I'm going to say it, some hallmark, cookie-cutter version of make-believe love. Where some actor or actress plays a new part every scene. Every, every, Every move. Wait a minute, I thought that was... Can I tell you right now? That we are not to have some low worldly version or view of love. We are meant to look unto the Lord and this season and remind him that we remind ourselves. There would be no season were it not for the love of God. I thank God for where we're at and what we're entering into. I thank God. But candy canes are not the reason for this season. And you guys going to the tree farm is not the reason for this season. And getting your sleds and, God forbid, your little elf on the shelf. It's not the reason for the season. The reason for the season is that he loves us so much that he put in motion a plan for the church. That he would establish a covenant with his people. Yes, yes, yes. The love of the Old Testament was that he put a plan in place that they could bring that lamb and there could be a sacrificial lamb and that sin could be pushed back a year. That was love on display for a hopeless people. But the reason that we cheer and the reason that we celebrate and the reason that we get excited is not because our souls or our sins have been rolled back for one year. But we get into this season and we say, we're here because he came to the earth. He was manifest in the flesh and he was born. And whether the historians like it or not, he was born of a virgin. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And it was there in Bethlehem where the prophecy came. It came together and love came to the earth. Listen, pause, preachers pause. Do you know how mad hell was when that baby was born? You think it was an accident that Herod wanted him dead? Herod is the antithesis. He is absolutely counter to the kingdom of God that's being established. And he wants this baby alienated. He wants this baby destroyed. If Christ was love, Herod was hate. He hated that there could actually be love on display in a redemptive plan. It was more than just, please hear me, it was more than hierarchy in the social customs and the government structures of the world. It was more than just the political stance of the modern day government in that season. It was hate. It was hate on display. And it should be known by the modern church today that we should see the goal of God is not to destroy, but the goal of God is to love and to strengthen and to help ensure that there is growth. We got to make sure in this year and as we close this year, this is not a church that wants destruction. This is a church that wants life. This is a church that... God is sending us people right now that hell has tried to kill them. Drugs has tried to destroy them. Abuse has tried to... But we've got to be like Mary that wraps him and Joseph that guards him. I want to get in will. I want to be in the will of God where we say, no, 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 no. This is love on display. What Herod wants to kill, the will of God is that they will grow. Amen. 
So we've got to be intentionally tuned in to the love of God on display. So Brother Titus, it is our job to guard men as they grow. Brother Matthews, it is our job to guard the young people as they grow. Sister Carson, it's our job to guard the ladies as they grow. What happens when a woman shows up at our church that's been abused? we got to guard her in love and show the love of God. What happens when a young person shows up here with a friend and in their own home, they're never even told that they're loved, but when they're here, the youth team wraps around. It's the love of God on display. So allow me, allow me to bring these two parallels together, please. If you can go with me and allow this to happen. Herod was calling love for the kingdom, what was actually hate being manifested. It was a love for the kingdom, a love for the purity of the kingdom, a love for the hierarchy of the kingdom. And the truth was, it was hate on display. And I'm going to be very open and be very honest with you this morning here at Calvary Tabernacle. A lot of what is being called love today is hate on display. When they can steal the gender of our children. That is hate on display. That is not love. That is not love. That is hate on display. Oh God, I feel. When they can fight against the church in 2022 and they can rise up with arms against the church calling the church intolerant and calling the church some antiquated version of religion that is hate on display. But love on display must be the... Love on display must be those that guard and say, no, 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 no. You cannot kill. You cannot destroy. What God's will is must be guarded and must be preserved and must. Hey, not everyone liked Jesus. Some of them said he was a devil and not everyone likes the church. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. There is going to be a church. There's going to be a church that loves. There's going to be a church that gives. There's going to be a church that worships. There's going to be a church that shouts. There's going to be a... There's going to be a church that sings songs. There's going to be a... Love on display happened this very week as so many in this room that have told me you invited people into your homes that are not your biological family but they didn't have anywhere else to go. That's the love of God that's on display. Nobody that is a part of this church should feel like an outcast. That didn't get a very big applause but it's the best thing I've said all day. If you're here, you're not an outcast. We love that you're a part of this body. We love that you're coming to CT. We love that you're here. Black, white, Hispanic, red, yellow, black, white. You got money, you don't. You come from church, you don't. We're glad you're here. And we're going to love you into the body. We're going to protect you. Young people, the enemy wants your life, but we're going to guard you and we're going to protect you and we're going to keep you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them very clearly, the enemy wants to destroy you. But I'm going to help protect you. So how do we protect? We protect through our prayer and we protect through our actions. Listen to me right now. Our most important action is prayer. We are not, we cannot be children of God that say we have the love of God if we are not men and women of prayer. But now I want to tell you something. Your faith, your prayers without works. Somebody finish that little scripture for me. Is what? Say it one more time. D-E-D. -E <laughs> it's dead. Faith without. I love you enough to pray for you. 
But I also love you enough to protect you. He was God manifest in the flesh. But watch this. We don't really talk about this. God manifest in the flesh still spent time as an infant. We rarely talk about the time that his flesh needed protecting. If we believe he was fully God and he was fully man, then there was a season where he needed protected by the mother. <laughs> See that graduation we did last Sunday, Brother Fable and that whole team and all those people that were stretched? 140 people this year that have gone through that. This is home class. Some that are seasoned saints, but a bunch of them that have never been in Pentecost before. What are we doing? We're saying during their infancy. During their beginning season. Somebody said, Pastor, why would we put people that have been in, in church for a long time and know the truth, why would we put them through that class? I've told every person the same answer. Because I want people that don't know connected with people that do. I want people that are just getting started. I want them connected to a big brother or a big sister so that when Herod comes calling, so that when Herod comes for their family and comes for their marriage or comes for their purity or comes for their identity, I want a big brother or a big sister say, no, 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 no. Love on display is I'll not only pray for you, but I will guard you. Man, I feel like we need a little revival of that easing into the end of this year. If you're gonna get to them, you gotta go through me. If you're gonna get to them, And there were wise men. How many know there were wise men that were sent after a period of time that are a part of this plan? This infancy to this two, three, four, five-year-old. I know it's highly debated, but he was still young enough that he could have been destroyed. But there were people that were sent to present gifts that were also led in such a way that they would not allow Herod to do the damage that he intended. All across this room, there are different levels of maturity. And that is something that Calvary should be known for. That we let people develop in Christ. That we let people develop in Christ. That we let people develop in Christ. But hear me, we cannot simply expect people to develop in Christ. We must be intentional about developing people in Christ. I will tell you right now, I am a pretty firm believer. I think the Lord has been working me over. So we're going into this tonight. We need a little less focus on events and a little more focus on everybody discipling someone else. If Who am I teaching? Who am I leading? Who am I spending time with? I promise you that when our mind, our heart, our objective gets on lost souls or new believers, it cannot be distracted with the negative ploys of the enemy. Walk into someone's kitchen or let someone walk into yours and spend time talking about the love of God and the gospel around your living room. I promise you the fulfillment that you will have is greater than anything that can be produced by this world for this holiday. You're not going to get that out of Garland. It is this time of year right now over the next month that there are certain states and certain communities that will go crazy producing fake snow. It's Christmas in New Mexico. <laughs> People got confetti, soap shavings. They're going to smell good. Trying to mimic and trying to mock and trying to look because to them, Christmas time means snow or the look of snow. I pray to God that he would help us not to get into this season of love and have to offer some substitute. Well, it looks like love. They've got a class and they got a bunch of events. It's got to be real love. It's got to be real. 
How many know it's got to be real love? It's got to be the real thing. Look back at your Bible with me, if you will, for the Bible says there in our opening text in 1 John chapter 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How many know that most often when we are quoting verse 4, greater is he that is in you, we are doing it in a way of our demonstration of power. Come on, greater. <laughs> oh, come on. And I like it. And I promise you, if I'm in the crowd and somebody says, because greater is he, I can't help myself. I pop up. But what is he talking about? He's talking about love. It's the love of God. I don't feel like loving him. Well, good news. Greater. I don't feel like showing kindness. That's all right. Good news. You don't have to. Greater. I don't want to show love. I'm mad at everybody. <laughs> well, then you need to get you a little more God. Because he is love. Now, I know this is old. I know this is going to sound cliched, but I'm going to say it anyway. He'll help you talk right. He'll help you walk right. He'll help you live right. He'll help you to act right. He'll help you to give right. Yes, he will. How many in this room know you would be a bad version of you without the love of God? I'm going to tell you, I would be a bad version of me. I told someone sometime, I, I, I said, listen, God knew I needed the Holy Ghost. Everybody needs, but I'm going to tell you, I'm honest enough to say, me minus the ghost is a bad version. But because because of his spirit. Because I don't have to trudge around all the sin. Because I don't have to walk around with my heart broken. And my mind. Because I don't have to walk around. Listen, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't walk around empty. Come on, if we're full of the Holy Ghost, we shouldn't walk around despondent, dragging our knuckles. I, I talked about it last week. There's something happening in this season. I know that this is a hard season for some, and I am not diminishing that. If I could reach in and simply take your pain away, I would. But I will tell you, there is someone who can, and he has paid the price so that even if life hasn't gone good, you've got something to look forward. You've got something to look forward to. And it's the love of Christ that's on display in your life. Turn to someone near you and tell them these words. I love you in the Lord. Now, I know everyone didn't do that little exercise. But the majority of you did. Can I tell you those are good words? Those are good words. I love you in the Lord. Because if it was just up to me, there is a Herod that wants to kill my love. There is a Herod that wants to destroy my love. Oh, but there is a God. There is a God. Well, what is God? God is love. And greater is he. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. In his book, Mere Christianity, if you'd allow me to read this excerpt to you, C.S. Lewis wrote, Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. <laughs> as soon as we do this, we find one of the greatest secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you will come to love them. If you injure someone you dislike, you'll find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. I read in a, a counseling scenario uh, 
this week in preparation for this message as I was praying and reading through so many different things, I read a story about a lady that came to the pastor for pastoral counseling. And she said, pastor, can't stand him. Pastor said, oh, really? I can't stand him. He's terrible. I'm divorcing him. I want you to pray with me about it. <laughs> this was not here. This is a story I read. I just want that to be. <laughs> I read it. No, I did read it. I really did read it. And uh, the pastor said, okay. He said, do you really want to get him? She said, I really want to get him. He said, are you sure you really want to get him? She said, I really want to get him. He said, okay. He said, I'm going to tell you how to really get him. For the next two months, I want you to hang on his every word. I want you to treat him like a king. I want, did I hear laughter already? I want you to cook with him. I want you to tell him you're excited to see him when he gets home from work. I want you to spend time talking. She said, we don't do any of that. He said, I know it's going to get him. Just watch. She said, he, she said, you want me to do what? And he lists this whole thing. What he was telling her was to honor him for two months. No matter how much she couldn't stand him, no matter how bad he had been to her. He said, for the next two months, I want you to do all of this stuff. And then in two months, I want you to just divorce him. And it'll make him realize what he's losing. He said three or four months had gone by, I hadn't heard from her. So I finally called her and said, hey, I just wanted to know when you're ready to move forward. And she said what he knew she would say. She said, oh, pastor, I wouldn't divorce him. I love him. And that pastor wrote in that journal, he said, when we start treating each other like we love each other, we often find out that we do. And the truth is, if we're not careful, we will, I'll stop calling it Herod. And if you'll allow me, I'll just say the influence of the world. The influence of the world wants us to treat each other the way the world treats each other. If you stop getting me ahead, then I will stop. If you can't do anything for me, I don't have time for you. If you can't give me a promotion, I don't have time for you. If you can't reciprocate what I need, then I won't show any time to you. I won't put any value in you. I won't put any stock in you. And we, if we're not careful, we will treat things like the world treats things. Can I tell you right now, people are not dispensable. People are souls. People are souls. So I think that our love on display, our love on display should manifest itself in the way we treat one another. That's one scenario, the way that a husband and a wife treat each other. And we, we talk about that here. That's something that we believe in. We believe that marriage can, could, and should be a positive thing. It doesn't mean that you will not have arguments, but it does mean you should get over them. I still believe in the old adage, let's try not to go to bed angry where we talk to one another. But I will tell you, whether you are in a marriage or whether you are single, regardless of anything, treat every friend and every relationship. If we could get this in our heart, our mind, our spirit, if I could treat every individual the way that I wish they would treat me. If you don't have many friends, you have to ask yourself, am I friendly? If you don't have love consistently in your life, you have to ask yourself this question. Am I loving? Say, Pastor, this isn't really like a Sunday morning. I thought maybe like we'd have a cheer and a hurrah. And then maybe we could just go eat. Let's feast on this for a second. He expects the church to be loving. He does. And not the plastic smile version of love. No, that's not love. Like you, don't want to talk to you. Stay over there. And I know, I've had so many come to me and they say, Pastor, I just, it's not my personality. Okay, 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 okay. I understand that, but listen. It is the Holy Ghost's. The Holy Ghost loves. 
The Holy Ghost cares. The Holy, oh my, my, my. The Holy Ghost will prompt you and promote you and use you to put love on display. Okay? It's not some mistletoe sneak attack. Some of you getting that, some of you don't. Oh, look where we are. No, it's not, it's not some worldview of love. I want to take you, open your Bible, if you will. Go with me to, to, to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. Let's go there first. Are you okay? Doing all right? It's only 11.09. We're doing all right. 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8 King James version says charity suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not vaunteth not itself is not puffed up can replace that word there with love doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. What does love do? What does charity do? It beareth all things, verse 7 says. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity or love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it it, it shall vanish away. But not love. Love is long, love is kind, and love does not envy. Another version says love does not parade itself. The New King James Version, it does not parade itself. It doesn't stay puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't think evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Pastor, what does that have to do with me? That right there is the love of God on display in our life. Let me read it one more time. I I, I want you to catch this. This is what the love of God has been for me. It has suffered long. And that love has been kind. That love has not envied and it has not paraded itself. It's not been puffed up. It has not behaved rudely. It does not seek its own, not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I have failed over and over and over. But the love of God just keeps reaching and speaking, and teaching. I don't think I'm the only one that has ever walked into a service over the years and felt like I was down to the end of my rope and God sent a preacher with a word that would tell me you're not over and you're not done and God knows right where you are and those that are for you are more than those that are against you. And so my message for us this morning and what I believe the word of the Lord would have for us to hear entering into this season, this word for our church, for both our marrieds and our singles is that we should expect the true love of God to be on display in our lives. The real love of God, not superficial love. Never forget when I was in that Time. I had a great sickness, some of you know about several years back, and I was really at the height of all that sickness and, and dealing with that. And I, I, I was so miserable in my body and in my mind, and I would lay before God and I would ask for healing, and no healing would come. And I'll never forget going there into the bedroom, and my wife was in the, in the bedroom, and I went before her and I said, I'm so sorry, I can't get rid of this. You didn't ask for this, you didn't sign up for this. You, this isn't what you 
wanted. I'll never forget her looking at me standing there in the bedroom as I'm weeping tears and, and, and feeling overwhelmed. And she started crying tears of her own. And she looked back at me there in the room and she said, I did sign up for this. She said, when I told you for better or worse, when I said in sickness and in health, I meant that vow. Can I tell you, thank God for that kind of love in this modern world. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that marriage vow. But how many know even greater than any human love that can be shown, He has stuck with us. He has kept us. He has guarded us. He has preserved us. He has been with us through the ups and the downs, through the sickness and the health, through the good times and the bad times, through the times when we felt Him and even in the times when we did not. God has been there for us. That is love. Love is when you feel it and when you don't. Say it again. Love is when you feel it and when you don't. Because love is the choice that you get up and you say, I know I have a right to be offended, but love... Love causes me not to be offended. I know I have every right to be mean to them, but that word tells me he could have been mean to me, but he loved me back. And so I'm not gonna be mean to them and I'm, I'm not gonna chastise them. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna provoke them to anger. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna try to love them like Christ has loved me. That's what love is. Love is typically most noticeable when it should be absent. When everything by this world's standards would have told us, you don't, you don't show them love. You get back. You get even. Love is most noticeable by those of us who are believers when we recognize love looks a lot like grace. Love looks a lot like when we show up and our love grows hands, our love grows feet, our love grows a mouth, our love grows eyes to see the needs, our, our love grows ears to hear the cries, our love grows hands to serve the people, our love grows a mouth to speak kind words. When the world and Herod is speaking death, our voice of love should be we must guard. The will of God. Turn in your Bible now, if you will, to the book of John. I'll soon draw to a close. The book of John, chapter 15. We know that in the Old Testament, it was that rolling back of sin that was on display in the covenant of God with His people. But God's love on demonstration in the New Testament was that salvific promise which came. He came to seek and to save. And he was manifest in the flesh. It is the love of God on display recorded in John chapter 3. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in John chapter 15, we're able to read what is a critical portion of scripture. Verses 11 through 13, if you can turn it there. John 15, 11 through 13. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy, next week we're going there to joy, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might what? Be full. Verse 12 says, this is my commandment. Pause. I'm just gonna give you just a little prelude to next week. It's not just that we have joy, it's that we bring him joy. He gives us an idea of how we can get to joy. We're going to go love, joy, peace. But before I can get to joy, me really having joy or bringing him joy, this is my commandment. You got to love one another. As I have what? Loved you. Verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life. For who? Not just his family. Not just his spouse. Yes, you've got to, moms and dads, I want to talk to every mom and dad in the room. You've got to protect your kids. 
But here is my appeal. Here is my plea to you as a pastor. Would you please help protect mine too? Brother Guy, and I'll make a deal. I promise to pray and try to help you guard Winston. I promise that. I, I, I'm going to try to help guard Grantland. Just make me a deal. Pray for mine. Help guard mine. Because as sure as Herod wants your boys, he Some of you grandmas and grandmas, grandpas out here, will you do me a favor? I'll do everything I can to try to guard your grandkids. Pastor Matthews, he'll do everything he can to try to help guard those kids and guard. We got a bunch of kids that need you. That need you. I'm gonna tell you right now, Pastor Lopez, how about this? I'll, I'll do what I can for Aiden. I'll do, I'll do what I can for Anna. I'm, I'll do what I can. But I need you. I need you to guard. Wait a minute, you're not, you're not related. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. And we have kids right now that are coming that are part of our kids program and that are a part of our young people's group and they're a part, even we got young adults, they're coming, no family at all. Wrong. They got family. They're the friends of this and they're knit into the body. And Herod wants to destroy them and the world wants to sell them a message. How many know this? The world wants to sell them a message. Life's not even that valuable. And if you can't be happy by the world standard, what is there to even living? But his love on display so that true joy can be manifest is that we guard one another and we keep one another and we watch for one another and we pray for one another. And his command is not that you judge one another. If you want your, we give this instruction. If you want your judgment to be righteous, let your love be pure. If you want your judgment to be righteous, let your love be pure. Because if, the, if we ever eliminate love from the equation, instead of righteous judgment, it turns into cynical thinking. And it turns into cynicism towards one another. The way we view each other is not through eyes that want to believe the best and through a lens that wants to add value, but rather it would become a way that we would look at one another trying to find the flaws rather than trying to highlight the good parts. Brother Rozier, I bet your family isn't perfect. Guess what? I'm not either. My kids. Wow. Wow. Can you believe the pastor's kid did? Yeah. Kid. My problem is often not what the kid did, it's how the re adult reacted. Don't you think they should get in trouble? Yeah, absolutely. But the greatest correction comes with love. Whom God loveth. What's he do? What's he do? He corrects. There's correction for love. But loving correction is not abuse. Are you okay for a few minutes? Just, just give me a couple minutes. I'm almost done. Loving, loving correction is not abuse. That's why when I hear that someone's beat on a kid and they say, well, I love them some. No! No, you don't. Why don't you love me? Let's go to the room. Come on, where are my men at? You're just honest right now. That's a trigger for you. That don't mean you love them. It means you are a city without walls. You... You are unguarded, you are unkept, you are unharnessed. Real love, yes, it does chastise. And yes, it does correct. Spare the rod and spoil the child, pastor. What about that one? Yeah, that's love on display, but it's not abuse, it's correction. You know that old statement? How many heard that statement when you were younger? This hurts me more than it hurts you. Hey, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> but I will tell you this, it does bother me more than it hurts you. It does bother me because my desire is not to abuse my desire. How many have had those heart to hearts with your children and you say, it's because of what I'm trying to develop you into. It's because of the man you need to become. I don't care what Herod says about what men ought to be. 
I don't care what Herod says about what lady's got to be. We're guarding the will of God and real love on display. Real love on display is not some manufactured, airbrush painted, false image of an individual on a magazine that had a thousand photos taken until they airbrushed the final one into what? That's why for some of us, get off Instagram, get off Facebook, get off the things that have you compare. For a lot of us in this room, it would do us a great service if we would start everything for the next while was just looking at the love of God to us. Not help, not other people, not comparing myself to other people. I want to get back to comparing myself against this word. What does this word say about me? Because we're in the holiday season. Here we are. Some of you have had a very tough Thanksgiving and you're walking into the holiday. Somebody said it last week that for some it is a painful experience and I understand that. But I want to tell you for some of you that had planned on this being a tough season, I believe that God can allow you to feel his love in a way that you have not felt in quite some time. I believe that the love of God Okay, I hit it. I'm landing the plane. There are people in this room that you have not been feeling the pure love of God in quite some time. That needs to stop. That's not the will of God. Stand with me in this house. Greater love hath no man, no man, no man, than that he would what? Love on display. It's a baby in a manger. I was talking to my mother-in-law last night. Had some Christmas lights put up. She was telling me about fixing her manger scene up, getting it all prepared. She said, I don't want those lights out there if we're not showing people why. I like that kind of thinking. I talked in regards to Thanksgiving to make sure the Lord had a seat at the table. And now as we move forward into love and joy and peace, we enter into this Christmas season. I promise you this. The perfect gift at Christmas time can't be bought on Amazon. Now I'm not giving any parents the license to tell your kids, no gifts this year. Pastor said, I want your kids to like me. I'd prefer they love me. But you can't, you can't order the perfect gift and get it in the mail. But there is the gift of God. It has been his love on display. And how many know it still is? It still is. I feel this as a, as a strong pull this morning. And I know this is a little different. I understand that. Thank you for your allowance. But there are people in this room and it's not comfortable to admit it. But the enemy has tried to make you feel void of love. Wants you to feel like you're not loved. And in return, even when you try to show love, it feels, feels shallow. But there is a love of God for you. And with it, you can find joy. You can find peace. But you can't find joy without his love. And you can't find real peace without his love. There is no way to truly love others. If you've been struggling in showing love to family and showing love to friends, I'm telling you, it's a great moment. It's a great Sunday to let the love of God wash over you. I'm asking you to lift your hands if you're able and willing around this room. Not some Romeo and Juliet version. Not some Marie letter based on what he can do for you. No, this isn't. This isn't so that you'll heal me. This isn't so that you'll Help me to be rich. I don't love you for that. I just want to be reminded that I love you because you first loved me. 
Come on, when's the last time maybe that you just thoroughly and deeply opened up your spirit and told the Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you in the good times and the bad times. I love you. In the frustration, I love you. In the busyness of the season, I love you. I got to do a lot more than saying you're the reason for the season. I got to tell you, I love, I love you. I wish somebody would lift your voice right now and just tell the Lord, I choose you. You chose me. I, I choose you. I choose you. You chose me. I'm, cho I'm choosing you. You might even be willing to take your, your prayer a little farther with me right now and say, you laid down your life for me. I want to give my life. And I don't mean just the words. I, want, I really want you to have everything. I want you to dictate what I watch and what I say. And the way I treat other people. I'm really wanting your love to be on display. There's been friction in my marriage. There's been friction in our home. There's been friction at the, there's been friction. There's just, it's been this attack against love. I've been wondering why I don't feel happy. Where's my joy? been wondering why my mind has been overwhelmed. Where is my peace? God sent me to tell you today the attack is against your love. 